Good morning. Now, I don't know whether you've realised this or not, but I've got a new car. Now, I've talked about my old red four-wheel drive. It's been a great old four-wheel drive. I've had it for 15 years, driven over 250,000 kilometres over those 15 years. It's been a good old vehicle for many, many years. And it took some really, really serious decision-making to go, the time has come. The time has come when I need to say goodbye to my good old petrol-driven, faded red four-wheel drive. Would anyone like to buy a really nice four... (laughs) I've got it sitting at home and it'll be great to last you another 15 years. The time, though, has come. I needed something better. We were having too many problems with it. So I got this... um, Mazda CX-5, it's got all the bells and whistles and everything like that. You know when you get into another car for the first time and you go, where do I put my keys into the... No, this has got got keyless start, this is... I don't know how this works. And it can be a little bit strange when you first get into a new vehicle and trying to work out all of the little nuances and dynamics of this new vehicle. And sometimes you sort of think, hmm, did I make the right decision? May have... could have gone back to the... I could have got another 15 years out of the... No... No, I, I knew the time had come when I needed something better. That only did me for a certain period of time. Now I need something that's going to suit me for the next number of years. Now, why do I say that? Because I think the book of Hebrews is a little bit like that. Now, we've been talking over the last few weeks where the writer to the Hebrews was writing to these, these Jewish Christians who were being uh, persecuted and, and suffering, and for many of them, they were starting to get really weary and turn away from the faith. And for some of them, just trying to connect the old, the old system to the new and how to have faith in the, in the new without reverting back to the old. And the Jewish writer is writing about Jesus to the Jews and saying the Old Testament, the Old Testament was really good, the law and its practices and the people back then, but there is something better. There is something better than the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments given on Mount Sinai, that word at that stage was really good, but Jesus is a better word than that. The priestly system in the Old Testament, that was good, But Jesus is a better priest. The sacrificial system in the Old Testament, that was good, but Jesus, he is not only better, he is the ultimate sacrifice. And really what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that Jesus is the better. He's the one. He's the one now that we need to look to. He's the one we need to get used to. A bit like sitting in a new car, get comfortable to the the new Jesus because it's much better than the old. There's no way that once you've experienced the new, you want to go back to the old. Hebrews was written to a persecuted and exhausted Hebrew people. There were many who were turning away from their faith and the writer is urging them, keep your eyes on him. That's the, uh, the theme of our sermon series. The Hebrew people, they needed a rest. 
as good as the Sabbath rest was in the Old Testament, he's also saying that there is a better rest. So today, as Steve has already mentioned, we're going to be looking predominantly in Hebrews chapter 4. So if you've got your Bibles with you, follow along. Make sure you've also also grabbed a study guide. This is uh, where a number of our growth groups are following along the sermon uh, each week in their small groups, but you can also use it as a personal study as well in reflecting on what we're going to be looking at today. Like the Hebrew people, we all need rest. Political turmoil, health, war, we all need rest. But what does this rest look like? So we're going to start from Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 1, and we're going to be looking at the 11 verses in Hebrews, at the first part of Hebrews 4. Can I also encourage you as we read through this, just take note of the, the number of times the word rest is used. Starting at verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest, and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world." For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains, still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, I think we we need to pray. It's 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 a complex passage. So we just ask, Heavenly Father, would you please speak to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit? We need you to to show us and illuminate to us what you have in store for us in this passage. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you notice how many times the word rest is used? I've actually counted in my version, NIV, 11 times. 11 times in 11 verses. So you would think that you know, it's pretty significant what the writer is saying in this passage. Now, it can appear quite confusing. And it has over many times been misinterpreted misrepresented, used to enforce a a legal interpretation of how to enforce particular days and adherence to that and the like. Yet the writer uses the word rest and in this particular passage uses the word rest 
in different ways to communicate different things. At one time, rest means this, and at another time, rest means that. And on a first read, it can seem, what is the writer talking about? Here, there, or everywhere. So today, we're going to take time to break it down into its various meanings. I have written this down in our study guide, so you can follow along with that if you like. But here is the first meaning of the word rest in this passage, Hebrews 4, 1 to 11. And the first rest refers to the promised land. The promised land. Now, you'd know if you've read uh, a bit of the Old Testament, you'd know the, real, the promised land refers to a small piece of real estate in Canaan. And it's part of where Israel is today. It was the promised land to give rest to the wilderness wanderings over 40 years. And we know the story about how the, the, the Israelites in, the, in, in coming out of slavery from Egypt were in the wilderness for 40 years. And a reference to that we can find in the first part of verse 3 of Hebrews 4. And we see that where it says, So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What's the writer saying here? He was saying this, and as part of a quote from Psalm 95, that God's people were promised this land after being slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. And God supernaturally guided them through the wilderness for 40 years by a fire at night and a cloud by day. Now, you would think, you would think if God is supernaturally guiding you, fire by night, cloud by night, you'd be grateful, wouldn't you? You'd think so? Mm. They weren't grateful. They turned their back on God so many times. And the result was they lost their chance. For many of them, they lost their chance to rest in the promised land. This was a promise. This was a rest that finally, after all of this slavery and wanderings, here is a land in which you can rest. A whole generation over 40 years died off. Only Caleb and Joshua and that next generation, the next generation that, that fled Egypt, experienced the rest of the promised land. The reason promised land represented rest in many respects, is the contrast to the slavery they experienced in Egypt. They were treated as mere slaves, not as people, as slaves. It was dehumanising. And it even happens today. It's happened all through our history. There are people who are not treated like people. They're just treated like objects in order to, to achieve a particular outcome. And that's what the, 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 the Israelites were in Egypt. They were just treated like slaves in order to achieve the outcome of the Egyptians. They didn't have any freedom. They didn't have any rest. And this promised land gives them the opportunity to know freedom and to know rest. Have a look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. We'll put it up on the screen here. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, speaking to the Israelites. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, looking at this passage, what does rescuing Israelites 
from slavery have to do with Sabbath. Rescue from being in bondage through to observing a Sabbath day. The key here is the Israelites not, were not only slaves to masters, but they were also a slave to their work. They would work and work and work. They were forced to work all the time. There was no rest. And so therefore, the Sabbath rest to Hebrew people was a, a declaration of freedom, wasn't it? Finally making your way to the promised land, we are now no longer slaves. We're free. We're free people. We're free from the Egyptians. We're free from work. And so the Hebrew writer is saying here, the Sabbath rest is a declaration of freedom. What does it mean to be free? I am a free person. This is a revolutionary act. And this would have been the the thing that would have set the Israelites apart to know that they had this promised land which represented a rest from their slavery. The second reference to rest in Hebrews 4 refers to the Sabbath. And we read on the the, the seventh day that that God rested. And we pick this up in the second part of verse 3 and into verse 4. The writer says, And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, On the seventh day God rested from all his works. I don't know whether you've thought about this too much, but what does it mean that, that God rested? Does it mean that after six days, he got really, really tired? Because it was a lot of hard work to create the whole universe. Think about that. Thanks, Andrew, for those words before. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work to create a universe, isn't it? So you'd think God would... Do you think God gets tired? No, no. We, we get tired... Even thinking about what God's done makes us feel tired. We get tired emotionally, we get tired physically, we get tired spiritually. In Genesis 1 and 2, the declaration is not so much that God needed a rest because he was tired. It refers to, in Genesis, that God rested because he was satisfied with his work. He was satisfied. He would say, it is good. It's done. And to a large extent, the rest is sitting back and admiring his work and saying, how how good is that? And I'm just going to sit and be satisfied with what I have done. And I think so often we can miss the point. We can miss the point of all of this. It's not just, oh, I need a day because I need to recuperate and I need to recover. Don't, I don't even want to think about the previous week. I just want, to, just want to sit and just try to recuperate and so I'm going to sit in front of the TV and binge watch for you know, 24 hours. I don't think this is what God is necessary. Yes, we do need physical rest to our bodies, but I think there's something far more significant in all of this. In the same way, as God reflects back on his work and says, it is good, 
can't we too at the end of a week or whenever we come to our rest, we look back and go, how good is God? How good is what God has done through me this week? How good is what I have observed God doing in other people this week? We sit back and rest and there's a sense of satisfaction knowing that we are serving the king of the universe and we have an opportunity to sit back and look at his hand and what he's been doing. And even in the midst of whether it's a pandemic or, or floods or wars or whatever, if we take the time to reflect, take that moment, physical rest, but also emotional and spiritual rest where we look back and go, isn't God good? Can you see where I've seen where his hand has been moving and what he's been doing? And I'm just going to reflect and be satisfied that God is good. Can you see where we're going with all of this? How important that is. To look and reflect and thank God for the gifts that he's given us. To thank God for allowing us to be stewards of, of what he's given us. What we do may not be perfect, but God is still good. And it's an opportunity to lay it down and go, thank you God that I've been able to serve you in this way and with a sense of satisfaction in all of that. And I think too often, I'm just as guilty as probably the rest of you, if we're all honest with ourselves, too often we can't lay things down because we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied because we try to control too much or try to, we, we, we're not looking for God's hand, we look at our own mistakes, we look at the mistakes of other people, we don't see what God is doing. And there have been times that no matter how many days you take off, no matter how many Sabbaths you experience, no matter how many times you just you sit and just try to chill, you're still fatigued. We need to be learned to be satisfied in our rest. Whatever it is that we do, it's not so much what you do, but your attitude towards us. To be satisfied with what God is doing. It can be hard, can't it? Revert back to old habits. And the third point is this. So the, the writer's talking about rest with regard to the promised land, rest with regard to the Sabbath, and the third point is this, is our salvation, or rest with regard to the gospel. Have a look at verse uh, 2 and 3 again. The writer says, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Think about it. We who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. In other words, some people have heard the message and accepted it, but other people have heard the message and rejected it. Moving on to verse 8, we read, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later without about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. After Moses 
died. We know the story. Joshua led the people into the promised land. They experienced a rest. The writer to the Hebrews says, you can experience a physical rest. You can experience a social rest. You can experience an emotional rest, but still miss out on the greatest rest our soul cries out for. And what the writer of the Hebrews is alluding to here is that this is what Jesus achieved for us. He offers us a complete rest. A Sabbath rest in Christ. There is a spiritual weariness we can experience. Yes, we just get weary. We get fatigued. We feel like we're just wandering and wandering in a spiritual wilderness for year after year after year. We felt like we've lost our freedom and we're no longer satisfied with life. We can experience a kind of rest that is complete. And we see this in the first part of verse 3, chapter 4 of Hebrews. The writer says, Now we who have believed, enter that rest. This is present tense. We are in that rest. The Hebrew people who were the first people to read this letter were in that rest. They were part of the the church of Jesus Christ at, at that time. They had experienced this rest through Jesus. Complete rest. Completely realised the complete realisation of the freedom, like in the promised land, completely satisfied, like God did uh, looking over his creation. No longer a slave, no longer a wanderer. So, if that is the case, if we have this spiritual rest in Christ... Why is it so often that we lose it? Now, I don't know if this is the case for all of you, and I I know that we've all got different stories about how we came to Christ. For some people, it was a gradual thing. Mine was a rather gradual thing, growing up in the church and having a growing realisation of Christ as Lord. For others, it's been quite a dramatic expression. Can I suggest, and I I don't want to impose this on on everybody here, but I'd imagine there's at some point in your life when you became a follower of Jesus, the realisation of what Jesus Christ has done for you, it would have just been the most amazing thing to realise, I'm born again. I'm a part of the kingdom of Christ. I'm I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm I'm free. Grace has made me free. And I'm satisfied because what Christ has done for me. There's a freedom and a satisfaction. I don't know about you. Maybe it's a different story for you, but surely there must have been a moment where you go, how good is it what Christ has done for me? My life from here on in is just going to be wonderful. And then 
life sort of presses in on us, does it? Sort of squeezes us a little bit and we, we seek to catch a glimpse of all of this, but we can just lose sight of what it is to be free in Christ and have the satisfaction of knowing that what God has done is good and we can enjoy that. And we get weary again. Now, have a look at verse 11, the very last verse that we're looking at today in Hebrews 4. The writer says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Hmm. That seems a little bit strange, doesn't it? We've got to make an effort. We've got to, you know, expend energy in order to be able to recuperate energy. You know what I mean? It sounds a little bit strange in that regard. I think it's sometimes, you know what it's like when you've got a big holiday planned and you're just looking forward just to having a really good rest, but you've got to get all the stuff organised in order to be able to get to that rest and say you've got to, you know, organise, you know, who's going to take care of the house, you've got to mow the grass and you've got to take care of the pets and you've got to tie up loose ends at work and you've got to do this and you've got to, and you get to the end and you go, am I ever going to be able to enjoy that rest? There was so much work required in order to get ready for that rest, I need an extra long rest to be able to experience the proper rest. Being a bit like that, to make an effort to enjoy that rest. This here, this, this verse 11, is a future tense. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now, this this could quite easily allude to a future rest. You know, in heaven, we will look forward to the perfect rest. Yet on a day-to-day basis, this rest is not a one-time experience. We need to remind ourselves as followers of Jesus of the freedom and the satisfaction we have in Christ. And in many respects, we need to keep working that one out. We need to be reminded. We need, we need an opportunity just to be able to sit back and go, yeah, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. That I am free. I am no longer a slave to sin. But I am part of, of your family, your kingdom. And I look at that and I look at what you're doing around about me and I can say, God, you are You are good. And I'm satisfied. The week may not have turned out the way that I would have liked, but I'm satisfied because you're still on the throne. All that you do is good. And I'm safe and secure in you. Why is it that we tend to get weary when we're in Christ? I don't know if any of you have got like combustion heaters there's not too many open fireplaces up here in the northern rivers growing up down in victoria we had an open fire in our lounge room oh, nothing better than a nice open fire you need an open fire when you live in victoria let me tell you that um, you need a good combustion heater as well not too many combustion heaters. some people have got it I, I, I tell you what when it's really really cold now i'm not talking about northern rivers cold i'm talking about victoria cold When it's Victoria cold, is there nothing better than sitting in front of a fire, whether it's a combustion heater or an open fire? Open fires are best because you've got the direct heat. You know it's there, you're there. And you're sitting in that room and you're just enjoying the comfort of that fire. Oh, yes. And you sit there and enjoy it and you go, I could sit here 
forever and just enjoy that. It's funny, you know, you, you go into other rooms of the house and the other rooms are nowhere near the temperature of that room, you know, and it's a cold here and it's cold there. And you keep wanting to come back to the, the warmth of that open fire in your lounge room. But our life can be a bit like this as well. We enjoy the warmth of the fellowship of God in our life and it's so good when we just enjoy his fellowship, when we enjoy his presence, when you enjoy and reflect on all that he's done. But you know what happens? And I don't get it sometimes. We tend to drift, don't we? We get bothered by the, the things that are happening around about us and, and we move away from the fire and we move into those cold places and we wonder how we got there. How, why am I feeling so cold? Why, why am I so uncomfortable? Why do I no longer feel free and no longer feel satisfied? It seems because the, the fire's still in the same place. It's we who have moved, isn't it? And we've been bothered and concerned and, and, and worried about other things that we've drifted away from the fireplace. And we get cold and we get weary. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, come back, come back to the fire. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And this is where you will find your freedom. This is where you'll find your satisfaction. This is where you find your rest. Now, if, if you were thinking that John was going to talk about the rest and the importance to have one day a week off so that we can recuperate because no one's designed to work seven days a week so we need that one day off and everything like that. I think that's great. I think that's great. But too often we miss that which is far more important. It's not just about having a day off. It's about realising our need to rest in him which is an everyday thing. To rest in what he has done. Celebrate our freedom to be satisfied in what God has done and to recognise our need of him for sustaining in all parts of our life. The rest. We read here in Hebrews chapter 4, referring to the promised land, the Sabbath and salvation. Are you weary? Have you drifted from the fireplace? Have you taken your eyes off Christ and have been distracted by all those things round about you? And you don't get to the end of the day or the end of the week or whatever and you can say, I am satisfied, God, you are good. We've forgotten that discipline. We've been worried by everything else that's round about us. I am wondering, and it's, it's going to be a little bit of a risky thing here today, and I'm, I'm standing in front of you now. I am wondering if there's anybody here who is feeling spiritually weary. I'm not talking about physical tiredness, and that could be part of it and everything like that, but you're just feeling spiritually weary. That doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. There's no condemnation to anyone here in Christ Jesus, but from time to time, we've moved away from that fireplace, and we have just 
become weary, discouraged, cold. Would you like to stand? Because I want to pray for you. Now I'm standing because I need prayer myself because I get spiritually weary. All I want to do is we're not going to point you out. We're not going to drag you before the deacons and elders and discommunicate you from membership or anything like that. But if you're feeling weary, we're not pointing our fingers at anybody or anything like that. All we want to do is I just want to pray for anybody who feels that. And I believe that God has given me a word for you. And it comes straight out of Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to read it to you as like a prayer. And these are the words of of Jesus. And Jesus says this. To you. He says this to me. Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavenly Father, sometimes we just don't know why we move away, we get distracted. We take on burdens that are too great for us. We worry and we get discouraged. Heavenly Father, we know that that's not the way that you designed for us. And we thank you for your grace. We don't condemn us. You don't punish us, but you merely seek to woo us back into an intimate relationship with you. So I want to pray for all who have taken the courage to stand this morning, including myself. And I'd say, Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to keep our eyes on you, not to be distracted by the worries and the turmoils of everything round about us, 
in a way that only you can, would you comfort us by your spirit right now? May we realise, not just in an intellectual way, but in a complete way that we are no longer a slave to sin, no longer a slave to anyone or anything, but we are free as your children. And that because you are Lord, that you are faithful and sovereign, we can reflect on our life and we can say, God, you are good. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you of what you have done through us. And we can say, we are satisfied. Give us this rest. Help us to keep our eyes on you and to make every effort to continue in that rest, the rest of complete surrender to you and the enjoyment and celebration of your presence in our lives. By your spirit and in through the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen.